Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. How many of you uh, have been offended recently by a show of hands? Somebody's offended. Hey, man, thank you for being honest. How many of you who have been offended recently feel like you actually have a right to be offended? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, someone sent Mary and I a text message about how they had been offended and just like the, the video, before we knew it, we were offended, right? It started with them sending us a message, and then all of a sudden, we're offended as well. And uh, I've learned a few things. So initially, I tried to diffuse the situation. Like, the first text message came through, and I jumped right on it before Mary could jump on it, and, and I tried to diffuse it. But uh, many of us have experienced this, where even when you try to defuse a situation, you try to apologize, you try to say, hey, it was a misunderstanding, the, the person seems to take that as an opportunity to go further with whatever it is that they were starting to say. And next thing you know, one message turned into two, and it turned into five, and next thing you know, there's 10 text messages, and offense is just flying all over the place. Anybody ever been there? But by the end of the, uh, the text war, <laughs> this was my last uh, response that I sent to the person. I said, I apologize and take full responsibility for myself and for our church members. And I was a little passive aggressive, so please forgive me. Respect is very important and you deserve honor and respect. We love you so much. Amen? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. When people are offended, it's like a strong, fortified city with a military guard outside. Nobody is going to be able to get in because somebody has been offended. It says that, Basically, you could be forever denied access. It's now a strong city, and you'll never be allowed back in because of maybe what started as a simple offense. How many of us can think about friendships, relationships that are now broken, and you can't even get into that person because of some small offense, but now it's like a strong city that you don't have access to? Amen. The Bible is, uh, is true, isn't it? It says that it's like uh, the bars on a castle. The thing about bars on a castle is while... It keeps the enemy from being able to penetrate and get in. It also keeps the owner from being able to get out. When we've been offended or we've uh, offended somebody, right, it becomes a strong city. Nobody could get in, right? You can't get back into that relationship. But also, you end up being held hostage inside the castle. You're the owner. It's your own castle. They can't get in, but you can't get out. No love, no relationship. All from offenses, so about a week after this text conversation that, that I was sharing with you guys, it was a random happenstance running into this person. I love how the Lord works. We were not planning to see each other. We were not planning to meet up. I was actually really, really far away from my house doing something completely different, and there they were. <laughs> it's like, Lord, you read my last text. Lord, I did enough. <laughs> But he was like, no. So I go running up to the person, big hug, good to see you, love you, and just really trying to go that extra mile and to extend love. 
And uh, so afterwards, I'm talking to Mary, and you guys know Mary. She's very kind and very compassionate, very loving, hard to get her upset, quick to forgive. But the funny thing is, in this particular situation, she was hot. <laughs> She didn't want to forgive, and she was mad that I ran into him, and she was mad about my last text, and that's not like her, so have grace. But I came, and we were talking like we do. We talk about these things, talk about spiritual stuff, and I was telling her why I felt it was important to send the last text and why I felt that it was important to run up on that person and give him a big hug. And these are the, the three reasons that I gave her. Number one, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I said, I have to be able to forgive. I have to be able to extend love. I'm not going to be able to get up there and preach if I don't do this. So I've got to go and do it. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. Number two, I told her, there are so many more important things going on, and I cannot focus on stuff like this. Like, there's real life going on. There's people who are dying. There's people who are struggling. There's people getting injured. There's people losing jobs. I can't have this insignificant drama with this person about a small offense take up any room in my mind or any room in my heart. So it's actually better for me to go and extend love and to get rid of this because I don't have time to be worried about it. And then the third reason I I gave her is this person is kind of part of our lives in in a way that they're not going anywhere. So we could either have this drama for the next 10 years or I could do something about it now so that the relationship can be restored and we can move forward. Many of us have to begin to at least think in some of those long-term ways, right? Like, look, what we do today, what we do this week in this relationship and with this offense, you know, this isn't like somebody you ran into that lives two states away. This is somebody you're going to have to be in consistent communication with. So I thought I was being pretty good and pretty spiritual, good husband, good leader, good pastor, explaining these things to her. But after that, I realized while all of those things are true, um, the fact that Jesus wants to deal with offenses on a much deeper level kept ringing in my ear. Those things were true. Those things were important. Those things were valuable. But I think Jesus wants to deal with offense on a much deeper level than just those surface um, thoughts and ideas. What I saw in this video, um, and what hopefully some of you saw in the video, and maybe you saw yourself in the video in, in some ways when it comes to offense, that really what offenses are about is pride. The reason that I reached out to this person, I'm a pastor, there's more important things going on, and I have to deal with this person in my life, none of those dealt with my pride. They were just surface level. And I believe that the Lord wants to deal with our pride when it comes to offenses. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says, When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 13, 10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife. But with the well-advised is wisdom. And Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I dealt with the offense. I tried to deal with the person who was offended, but I didn't deal with pride, which means there's still drama on its way. There's still problems on the way. There's still more offenses that are going to happen in my life, and I'm still going to be offensive if we're not dealing with the root cause, which is pride. Pride is the sin that caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. And that seed, if we allow that seed to be planted in our lives, if we allow that seed to grow, be watered, grow into something bigger and bigger, it's going to have the same effect in our lives. We are going to be separated from God. Pride is a beast. Being offended is about believing that we deserve better or more from people. Think about that for a second. I'm offended. Why? Because I deserve better. I deserve more from people. Who are you to pick up your phone and send a text message to me about something I did? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I'm worth? Don't you know what I do with my life? I deserve better. I deserve more. In the video, the dude said, who do you think you are to pick up your phone and post this to your Facebook page? Some of us see posts on Facebook and we take it personal like like they were thinking about us. 
Sometimes they are, but most of the time they're not. <laughs> but even still, think about how quickly our pride rises up. You get a text message, your pride comes up. You see something on Facebook, your pride comes up. Why? Because you deserve better, don't you? You deserve more from people, don't you? So listen, I know that we're all human, but we're in church because we have an understanding that God is calling us to be superhuman. To be Christians and to go from being merely human to being filled with and led by the Spirit of God. We're not here to talk about how to be better humans. We're not here to talk about, you know, three points as far as, hey, I'm supposed to be a good example. I've got to deal with this person for a long time. No, that's regular human stuff. You can go get self-help. We're talking about superhuman, supernatural, spirit of God, going beyond being offended, dealing with your pride, and allowing God to move in a special way in us. If anyone deserved to be treated better by people, it was Jesus. And yet he remained humble. And yet there was no pride found in him. This is Isaiah 53, verse 3. Speaking of Jesus, it said, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of many sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as if it were our, or, excuse me, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and we've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, and he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for a reminder of your humility, Lord, that one who deserved to have pride, one who deserved to be esteemed, one who deserved to be lifted up, one who deserved to be honored, Lord, and you received none of those things. But you didn't let those offenses keep you from being who you were called to be, Lord. Lord, we thank you that your Father, even in the midst of, of your goodness and your holiness, Lord, for some reason it still pleased him for you to suffer on our behalf, Lord. This morning, our prayer, Lord, is that you would meet us here in this place, that you would deal with the issues that run deep within us, Lord, not just on the surface level. Get down to our core this morning, Lord God. Your word says that it cuts to our heart, Lord, that you open us up, Lord, that nothing's hidden from you, Lord. Deal with our pride this morning, each and every one of us, Lord. Heal us from the times that we've been offended and let us be Become those who are uh, slow to offend others, Lord, and quick to repent, quick to apologize, Lord. We ask that you would have your way in this time, have your way in this service, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Title of the message this morning is The Offensive King. The Offensive King. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 27. We'll go a few different places, but open your Bibles, get there. When you're there, Matthew 15, say, I'm offended. <laughs> Matthew 15, say it like you mean it. I'm offended. There you go. Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to wait, because if you don't turn there, I'm offended. I'm offended that you're offended. <laughs> even, when you, even when you say it, doesn't it sound prideful? I'm offended. I'm offended. <laughs> All right, so Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. It says, Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, say Canaan. Canaan 
came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Stop there, verse 27. This woman is beyond unnoticed and into the realm of being straight ignored. Verse 22 said, she came from Canaan, from that region, cried out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter severely demon-possessed, but he answered her not a word. I don't know what's more offensive, to be directly spoken to rudely when somebody says something right to your face that they shouldn't say, or to be just straight ignored as if you don't exist. <laughs> when people say things that are rude to us, they do it on purpose. Somebody say amen. amen. Their goal is to hurt you, to make you feel bad, right? To break you down, to belittle you. But when you are trying to talk to somebody, when you are trying to get somebody's attention, when you're trying to deal with something and they just straight ignore you, to me that cuts sometimes a little bit deeper because what they're saying is you don't even deserve my time. You don't even deserve my attention. You have absolutely no value. It's as if you don't even exist. Think about what it feels like to be ignored and how offended you get when that happens. When you're trying to talk to somebody and they're ignoring you in the car, <laughs> what do you do? You just keep talking and then you get louder and then you get angry. When you text somebody and they don't respond, do you just stop? No, you start texting more and you start getting angry and then they're like, I just didn't have my phone. Why are you flipping out? When we get ignored, something happens to us. There's like a fire that begins to burn inside of us. Why? Because you deserve better than that. And you deserve more from people. Who are you to ignore me as if I have no value? So this woman, like most of us would do, she keeps going when she's ignored. In verse 26, she won't stop. She keeps going with Jesus, and this is what Jesus says. Verse 26, he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. So this is where the weave comes off. This is where the jewelry starts coming off. This is where the dude starts tying, oh, okay, okay. Start tying up the shoes like, oh, you, I'm a little dog now, huh? Okay, okay. This is where it's about to go down. Somebody talk to you like that. Imagine you're at work and somebody says, listen, I don't got time for you, little dog. This is like talking about your mama. This is like as, as rude as it gets. <laughs> Some of us can't remember the last time we were offended like that. I remember probably the only two or three times I've seen Mary like really go off like she wanted to fight. Somebody did something. Oh, we were at soup plantation. And somebody said something about the kids. Somebody said something about Naomi. This was like a few years ago. And she still has flashbacks when we go there. Somebody said something about Naomi. Like Naomi and, and, and Nate, I think, were playing around. It might have been even before Niall. And, and the lady was talking towards Mary about our kids and said something like, you need to control your kids. They don't know how to act. And Mary was like halfway out of her seat by the time I grabbed her to sit her down. But that's what this feels like. Somebody talking directly to your face, talking trash, disrespecting you, offending you. Most of us have been there at some point in our lives, but I don't know if we could imagine it being like this. Somebody coming and asking you a legitimate question. Hey, I need help. My daughter is suffering. And he says, I don't got food for dogs. So for good measure, just to make sure this person is completely offended, first she gets ignored, and then she gets directly talked to in a way that none of us would be able to deal with. So Jesus is the offensive king, and we don't often see him this way, right? So these are the questions that I think we have to ask ourselves. Number one, why do we offend people? 
Like I said before, I think it's we have a desire to actually hurt them and we have a desire to build ourselves up. When you say something offensive, you want it to cut them to the heart. You want them to feel bad. You want them to be broken down. And whether you know it or not, you want to be lifted up. Pride. Why are we offended by people? Because we feel like we deserve better. Like I said before, right? I deserve more. I give more. I'm of more value. You don't know me like that. So then the question is, why would Jesus offend someone like this? We know that he doesn't really want to hurt anyone. Somebody say amen. amen. And we also know that he's God, so he doesn't have to build himself up. He doesn't have to hurt people. He doesn't have to break people down, and he doesn't have to build himself up. He's already God. Could it be that Jesus is trying to accomplish something in the lives of the people who are offended? Could it be that offense maybe isn't such a bad thing? Is he trying to deal with our pride so that, like Satan, we don't find ourselves cast out or separated or at a distance from God? Then all of a sudden, this offensive king becomes a good thing. He's not like us. Amen. He's not doing it just to hurt people. Amen. He's not saying things because he thinks that he deserves better. Like a lamb silent before a shearer, he was silent, right? He doesn't need to speak that way. It has to be about something he's trying to accomplish in your life. It has to be about something he's trying to accomplish in my life. Let's read it again. Matthew 15, 21. Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. After the offense, when the humility was actually confirmed rather than pride in her life, what do we see? We see a response of love and blessing. How many of us ever get past the offense? I think something else that's important to note here is that the disciples couldn't see what Jesus was doing. They couldn't see his purpose, and they were actually on the complete opposite side of the complete opposite heart that Jesus had. You know when you're offensive, and then your homeboy or your homegirl like jumps in, and they're like, yeah, let's tell them that's what they deserve, that's what they need to hear? That's how the disciples are right now. Jesus says, I got nothing to say to you. I'm not even listening to you. Then she keeps going, and Jesus says, I don't have food for little dogs. And then the disciples are like, yeah, tell her. She needs to go somewhere with her little Canaanite cell. <laughs> These are the disciples, but they don't see what Jesus is really trying to do. They came to him and urged him, saying, send her away. She cries out after us. As a pastor, this happens a lot where people can't really see why I'm doing things in a certain way or why I ask for particular things from particular people and maybe not from other people. So listen, I am in no way saying that I'm like God. <laughs> but I am saying that just because we're all Christians doesn't mean that we all see things the same way. It doesn't mean that we all have the same purposes in mind. A lot of times Jesus is trying to do something and the disciples think something else is going on. A lot of times a leader or a pastor is trying to do something and the church thinks something else is going on or should be done a different way or should be done a better way. This happened to the disciples a lot. Ray shared last week that these people are hungry and they want to be fed 
And what happened? The disciples came and they said, Jesus, send these people home. Let them go home and eat for themselves. And Jesus says, no, actually, you feed them. When the disciples started asking Jesus to explain what he was doing and why, instead of making their own declarations about what they thought should be happening and how, things got a lot better for them. Jesus, send them home. No, you feed them. Jesus, send her away. No, actually, I have a blessing for her. Then they began to say things like, hey, explain that parable to us. Hey, why did you, why did you not send her home? And then Jesus would explain what he was doing and why, and now all of a sudden, the disciples, the followers, didn't look and feel so foolish. Yet I feel like a lot of us are like the disciples where we're making declarations about what we think and how it should be and why it needs to be this way and why I deserve better and why is it different for this person and that person. I think when we begin to ask God why he's doing things a certain way or why he's saying offensive things to us, <laughs> man, our lives will get a lot better. Yeah. Instead of just being offended and never getting through it, maybe if we would just stop and say, Lord, why would you say something like that to me? <laughs> Lord, why would you allow that person to send me a message like that? I'm offended, but talk to me about it, Lord. Instead of letting the rage come up and the pride come up, I think things will get better for us too. So I want to talk about some things that I think will help you deal with offense in certain situations. Because it's coming. Somebody say amen. amen. Almost everybody raised their hand and said, you've been offended recently. <laughs> and if you haven't, let me just prepare you. You will be soon. There's people out there. Some of them are thinking right now, how can I offend them at work tomorrow? <laughs> how can I hurt them? So number one area that I like to deal with is uh, being offended when you're already in pain. This is a big one. Our story in verse 22 says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. She's already in pain. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yet the offense still comes. When we're in pain, it's easier to be offended. And it seems to hurt more. How many of you have realized that? If you're already dealing with something, if you're already hurt, if you're already angry, if somebody's sick, if you've lost your job, if you're having financial issues, isn't it so much easier to be offended? Somebody could come up to you and say, good morning, and you're just like the guy in the video. What do you mean, good morning? Why do you say it like that? <laughs> Somebody could come up to you, hey, I want to take you to lunch. Well, you think I can't afford my own lunch? <laughs> hey, how's your relationship? And you act like they know you're fighting? <laughs> when we're in pain, it's so easy to get offended. I think we need to be aware of this, and we need to pray for ourselves. Lord, don't let me be offended. I know I'm hurting right now. I know my, my emotions are on high. I know that it, it won't take much for something to go bad. Lord, I'm hurting. Please help me not to be offended. If that means protect me from offensive people, if that means open my eyes to see something that I can't see, please help me. Amen. This week, Mary was having a rough day. It's all about you today, babe. <laughs> this, me, this week, Mary was having a rough day, and she sent me a text saying, after Nate's practice, I need to go home, I need to take a shower, I need to go directly to bed, so please help me, right? And I read it and I thought, hey, that's actually pretty cool. What she's saying is, don't come home and offend me. <laughs> don't come home and ask for something. Because I want to tell you right now, if you come home and ask me to cook something, clean something, do something, I'm going to attack you. <laughs> I thought it was great. What she was saying is, I recognize that when I'm in pain, I'm easily offended. So I'm going to do something about it in advance rather than waiting to be offended. Not only do we need to do something about preparing ourselves not to be offended if we know that we're already in pain, but we have to have our eyes open to see people who are in, a pain, are, are in pain and not be offensive to them. You need to look at other people and say, man, that brother's going through something. That sister's going through something. I could tell something's wrong. That's probably not the day to go tell them everything that you need them to change in their life. 
It's probably not the time to go add something to their plate. If you don't look at other people and at least consider what they're going through, uh, chances are you could, you could be offensive without even knowing it. Ordinarily, it wouldn't be an offensive comment, but when people are hurting, they're easily offended. We've got to be aware about this, but in this case with this woman, Jesus still offends her while she's in pain. She's hurting. She traveled to see him. Her daughter is going through something, and yet Jesus is still offensive. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. See, it says, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John's in pain. Somebody say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. John's in prison. Somebody say amen. amen. He's offended that after all he's done for Jesus, his own cousin, preparing the way, preaching, baptizing, telling everybody, get away from me now and go to him. I can't even tie his sandals. And he's offended. He's in pain because after all that, here I am in prison and I can't get no help. Jesus' response to John in his pain is, tell John I'm busy doing other things right now. That's what he says, isn't it? John sends disciples and said, go ask if he's the one. Make sure he knows I'm in prison. Make sure he knows that I'm not talking about a spiritual prison. This is a real prison I'm in. Go tell him. And Jesus' response in John's pain is, hey, man, tell him I'm busy doing other things. Look what I'm doing. He's an offensive king. <laughs> Look at what Jesus told the woman in our story this morning. In verse 24, when she comes to him with all these issues, he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hey, I know you're hurting. I know you came a long way. I know your daughter is sick, but I'm busy doing other things. You're a Canaanite woman. I sent my people to conquer the land of Canaan and to give it to them as their inheritance. I know you got issues that you want to see them address. However, I'm busy doing other things. Man, that's offensive. One of the brothers reached out and said, hey, I got something going on next weekend. I could use some brothers to help me out. And I could just imagine if some of us would have texted back and said, hey, that's awesome. And I know that it sounds like you, you need some help, but I'm busy doing other things. <laughs> Even if it was true and legit, the person would have been offended. I think it'll help you and I deal with offenses if we remember that Jesus has a plan, yes. Jesus has priorities, and we are not always at the top of the list. Watch out. Let me say it again. It'll help us deal with offenses if we remember that Jesus has a plan, Jesus has priorities, and you are not always at the top of the list. He's an offensive king. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says, Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, And it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Is it okay if God's plan includes you, but not in the order of priority that you want it to? God can say, listen, I have a plan, I have purposes, I have priorities, and they include you, but not in the order that you want it to be in. You want to be first, and you might be third. You want to be first, and you might be tenth. Is it okay for God to have his own plan, purposes, and priorities? 
When's the last time, honestly, be honest this morning, that you came to God and said, listen, Lord, this is what I need, and I don't care if I'm 10th. No, we come to God and say, this is what I need, and I need it to happen now. I don't care what you're doing for my husband. I don't care what you're doing for my kids. I don't care what you're doing in my church. I don't care what you're doing with the youth. I need this, and I need to be number one. We don't say it, but we say it. We feel it. Even in salvation, we know Jesus loves everybody. He came to save everybody. He's going to make sure everybody hears the word. He's going to make sure everybody has an opportunity to come into heaven. But you know what he says? Jerusalem first, then Judea, then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. I wonder how many times we're asking for stuff, and what he's trying to say is this person first, this person second, this person third, and then you. And instead of us getting on his page and saying, well, then let me play for number one. Yes. Let me help number two. Amen. Let me get involved in what's going on in number three, and I'm cool with being number four. He'll get to us. And he knows you're in pain. Amen. But we have to trust his plan. We have to trust his priorities. I love that about him. He hasn't forgotten about us, but he ain't going to just change the plan just because you really, really want him to. He knows John's in prison. He knows Lazarus is dead and in the tomb, but he's busy doing other things. You know what frustrates us about each other is we don't think what other people are doing as, as, is as important as what we need them to do. <laughs> That's why we get mad. When somebody says, hey, I can't be there because I have this going on, what you're really thinking is, that doesn't matter. <laughs> what I'm asking you to do matters. What I need you to do matters. And you know what's true? Sometimes we're right. You had to wash your dog. <laughs> I broke my leg and I need to ride to the hospital. That's not as important. But you know what? With God... It's not that way. Whatever he's doing, if he's doing it first, it's more important. Verse 24 and 25, our scripture this morning says, He answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him. Think about that for a second. She's offended. She's in pain. Even though she's in pain, the offense comes even stronger from the Lord. And what happens? What is her response? Then she comes and worships. It's crazy. When we're in pain and we're offended, we isolate ourselves. We withdraw from God and we withdraw from people. She presses in and goes to worship. How should we be helped when we're offended, when we're in pain? We press in. We understand that God has other plans. God has other priorities. We're not always at the top of the list. And it's not a reason to withdraw. It's a reason to worship. Amen. He's still Lord. He's still King. Whatever he's doing, it must be really important. If he's not tending to me right now, he's not just kicking it somewhere. He's doing something important. He's pulling somebody out of hell. He's meeting somebody else's need. He's an offensive king, but he's a good king. He's a loving king. I love that she came and worshipped him after she was offended, after she was told that she's not the priority. What would happen if somebody in this church came to me after a service and said, hey, here's what's going on in my life, here's what's going on with my kids, and I said to them, hey, listen, that sounds really significant, but I just got to be honest with you, you're not the priority right now. You think they'd be here on the next Sunday? You think they'd stand up and say, what is our offering proclamation today? <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! <laughs> you think they'd be at life group ready to read the questions? <laughs> you know you have to be the priority. We got to stop. It's got to be okay for God to come and say, I have a plan, I have a priority. It includes you, but today it's not you. Imagine what kind of Christians we'd be if we... Embrace that. Amen. Imagine what kind of church we'd be. Number two, good timing. 
how to deal with being offended in the church. <laughs> One is when you're in pain, two, offended in the church. How many of you have been offended in the church at some point in your Christianity? This church, the last church, any church? Raise your hand if you've been offended in the church, by the church, by people in the church. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, I got you. <laughs> we'll get you taken care of real soon here. For those that did raise your hands and you're still here, I'm glad you survived. A lot of people don't survive being offended in church. How many people do we know that say, I don't go to church because I don't like Christians? They're all hypocrites. What that means is you were offended and you didn't survive. <laughs> you're here to raise your hand. Man, you survived. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father and mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. You hypocrite. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitudes to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. You see, they're starting to get it. Peter's like, hey, I don't get this. Please explain. This is not an opportunity for me to think that I know what's going on and to just start spouting off at the mouth. Explain this to us. So Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and it's eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. The Pharisees come to Jesus, this is church time, and they say, why are your disciples not washing their hands before they eat? Jesus begins to say, look, you guys are doing things that are much more significant, much more important. You are denying the word of God for your own purposes, and you're worried about these guys. I love what Jesus does because he's offensive. He's an offensive king. It says that he called the whole multitude. Imagine just the, the leaders are having a little conversation in the church. And then uh, Jesus stands up. He's like, hold on for a second. Hey, everybody, come in. Everybody, come over here real quick. He calls everybody in just to make it more offensive. And then he just starts ripping into these Pharisees. God, he's offensive. It's crazy. What does it come down to for you and I when it comes to be offended in the church? The church has to always be about God first and you second. Maybe even you third or fourth or fifth. Church is not about you. It's about God. What these Pharisees were doing was contrary to the word of God and the will of God, even though it didn't seem like it. This is important for you Christians. The Pharisees, there's a law that God said, honor your mother and father. What he's talking about is you actually have to take care of them financially, physically, you have to provide for them. When they get older, they took care of you. Even if they didn't take care of you, you honor them and you care for them. The church said, the Pharisees said, listen, that is a law. However, if you set aside $1,000 for them, if you set aside $500 a month to pay for their nursing care, if you give that $1,000 or $500 to the church, then you don't have to worry about them. You're free from that law. And Jesus says, who do you think you are? 
You're talking to me about washing hands, yet you've changed the full commandment and said that if they give to the church, it's okay if they don't take care of their parents. He says, oh, you're about to get it. Everybody come in and listen. <laughs> listen to me, set this straight in the church. And what did it say later on? Peter's like, do you know that they were offended? Well, I'm sure they were offended in the church. For all of us that raised our hands that we've been offended in the church, you have to ask yourself, was God trying to get something right? Was God trying to deal with you and say, this is my house, and I don't care what you think or how you think it should be done or why you've done it a different way. It's my house, and I'll get it straight. Sometimes he'll do it himself. Sometimes he'll use a leader. Sometimes he'll use somebody across the chair from you. But you will be offended in the church. But more often than not, it's about God trying to get something right. The Pharisees are saying, well, look, it's a good thing. The church is being blessed, financially being blessed. And God's like, that's not a good thing. Just because you think it's a good thing, I've got more going on than just the offering. So many of us think that we know how things should be done. And what we're actually doing is rebelling against the Lord or we're rebelling against leaders that the Lord has put in place. And we do it under the mask of we're trying to please God. We're fully convinced that what we're doing is to please God, which means everybody else must be wrong. When you're offended in the church, don't take it personally. Try to remember that the Lord is preparing a bride without spot or without blemish. The whole bride Somebody says something to you, leadership says something to you, you'd like to do it this way, no, we're going to do it a different way. The Lord is preparing a bride. It ain't even about you. And even whatever it is that you're so passionate about, it may be important, but maybe it's just one of the shoes on the bride. There's a whole lot more that the bride needs. You you would have the bride to go out with the most beautiful shoe, but with nothing else on. So often I feel like I'm included. We get offended in the church. And instead of the Lord being on our side where we think he's going to come and say, yeah, tell them how they offended me, Lord, and how I'm right. Because we've been talking about this. We've been praying about this, Lord. And I know what you told me. And instead he turns on us and says, no, I'm trying to get something right with you. Oh, yeah, Lord, it's about you. I didn't come here for me. I came here for you. I didn't come here to receive. I came to give worship. I didn't come to to have others meet my needs. I came to give so that the needs of others would be met. There's this shift that has to happen to us. And I'm telling you, it'll help you with offenses. You won't be so hurt when people say things that are hurtful. You won't be so quick to isolate or to leave or to get angry when you remember the Lord's probably doing this for his bride. The Lord knows that if he lets these things go unchecked, they'll eventually tear a church apart because the Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Look at this church. It started off with, hey, it's probably a good idea if we get a little bit more finances into the church. Let's tell people that, look, if they don't give to their parents, but they give that amount to the church, everything's all good. But what does that look like five years later, 10 years later, 50 years later? These same leaders, these same Pharisees, are frustrated about disciples who are eating before they wash their hands, but they don't care anything about the condition of the hearts, their own hearts or the hearts of other people in the church. Jesus is saying, look it, they're focusing on what goes into the mouth with dirty hands, but they don't care about what comes out of the mouth from dirty hearts. This is always going to be offensive when it's brought to your attention. We just have to remember that it's about God first and not about us. I know it's hard. If somebody says something to me, I'm learning to not say what I really want to say. (laughs) I'm working on the thoughts. The thoughts are still there. But if I just can hold on long enough not to say what I'm thinking in that moment, usually within minutes... Definitely within days or weeks, God will reveal, like, hey, here's what I was really doing. Yes, amen. But more, 
the way it used to happen, I'm, like I said, God is so good. He's working on me. <laughs> We're not Jesus, but that's how it used to be, right? Somebody would say something to be like, oh, really? <laughs> well, let me pull out the laundry list of things I've been wanting to talk to you about. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. <laughs> It's going to happen. Like, somebody's going to say something, and especially when you love it. Like, when somebody says something to me about this church, that's how that conversation started last time. I was like, hold on a minute. You don't know my church. You don't know my folks. You don't know how long we've been doing this together. You don't know how many fights we've been through. You don't know how many things we've overcome. Who do you think you are to say anything about anybody? Right? That's the initial response that wants to come out. And it came out a little bit. That's why I said a little passive aggressive. (laughs) I tried to hide it. But if I just wait... What was actually trying to happen, God was trying to say, hey, you guys are going into uncharted territory. You guys are going into life groups. You guys are doing things completely different. And I just want to bring something to your attention to take care of my bride. He was trying to do something. He was using this person. And I'm like, Lord, could you use somebody else? I'd love to hear directly from you. And then I remember, oh, yeah, Lord, it's not about me. It's your bride. It's your church. Don't let being offended in the church uh, ruin you or ruin your relationship with the Lord. He's only offending us so that we can change some things, but because he loves us and he wants to bless us as a church. Last one. Um, Number one is you've been offended uh, while you're in pain. Number two, offended in the church. And number three, offended in your personal space. There's nothing more offensive or disrespectful than when somebody comes into your own house or your own car or your own cubicle and offends you. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Martha, or excuse me, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, let's all put ourselves into Martha's shoes. We're thinking, man, I I invited you into my house. (laughs) You're sitting over there at my table. You're eating my food. And all I'm asking is for a little respect. (laughs) And all I'm asking is to tell my sister to help. Just to serve a little bit. She's so selfish, Lord, tell her. (laughs) And then Jesus, while he's sitting at her table, eating her food in her house, with his feet probably kicked up on the chair. (laughs) Mary's sitting next to him, kicking it. He turns and offends Martha in her own space. Martha. (laughs) You always worry about the wrong things, girl. How you doing, Mary? You good? You good? (laughs) You can go ahead and finish what you're doing if you want to, but Mary's over here doing what Mary does. She always gets it right. She just wants to be with me. (laughs) There's nothing worse than being offended in your own space. You know why? Because we feel like whether the person is right or wrong, you don't have a right to be right in my house. I'm always right in my space. You can be right in your space, but when you come over here, keep all that good news to yourself. If you want to say something, stop eating my food, get your feet off my couch, and get out of my house, and then you can say whatever it is that you want to say. But until then, I'm offended. Why? Most of us shut down when this happens to us. When we get offended, in our space or in our house, in our car, in our cubicle. We didn't go out trying to bother anybody. They came trying to bother us. We shut down. 
This is Matthew 13, 54. It says, when he had come into his own country, speaking of Jesus, he taught them in their synagogue. So that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, this not, his is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. When it happened to Martha, when it happened to the Pharisees in their own synagogue, all of them are offended and the same thing happens to them that happens to us, they shut down. We no longer care about what's being said, whether it's right or wrong. We no longer care about changing or growing. All we can see is red. Our ears have stopped. And everything goes out the window. Why is that such a big problem for us as Christians? Is that it leads to rebellion and it leads to unbelief. When you've been offended in what you consider to be your own space, your own realm, your own spiritual strengths, if you've been offended in those areas, you will shut down, you will rebel, and it will lead to unbelief. That's what it says that happened to the Pharisees. They were offended, and it says that they didn't believe, or Jesus couldn't do miracles in that area because of their unbelief. He still wanted to do something in their lives, and he couldn't because they no longer believed. Matthew 13, 57 they were offended at him. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many mighty works there because of that unbelief. Let's look at the complete opposite as we close this morning. What happened with the woman in our story? Matthew 15, 27. Matter of fact, I want to read the whole thing to you guys from verse 21. Matthew 15, 21 through 28, one more time. Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Verse 27, 28. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Sometimes, even though we've been offended, faith can remain. Sometimes, even though we've been offended, faith can remain. And if faith remains, blessings will follow. Every time you've been offended and you've shut down, every time you've been offended and you've withdrawn, every time you've been offended and then you've uh, given offense, blessings don't follow that. Peace doesn't follow that. Reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness does not follow that. If faith remains and instead of pulling back, drawing back, we press in and move forward with the Lord, you'll see blessings, you'll see forgiveness, you'll see what God was really trying to do and you'll see that it really wasn't about you. He has plans. He has priorities. We're not always first, but thank God we're on the list. Yes. <laughs> I'm okay with being on the list. Why don't we stand? Worship team, would you come? So some of our, some of our hopes, some of our goals is that when offenses uh, happen, that they don't stir up pride in us. When people do things that are offensive, when the Lord is an offensive king, when leaders are offensive, when other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ are offensive, don't let it stir up pride. Even when the world is offensive, don't let it stir up your pride. Don't let the first words that come out of your mouth be, I deserve better than this. I deserve more than this. 
Don't they know who I am? Don't they know what I'm worth? Don't they know what I've done? This could be parents with kids. This could be husbands with wives, wives with husbands, co-workers, bosses, it doesn't matter. At one of our last men's gatherings, we talked about this, who am I? To ask ourselves, who am I that I think I deserve more? Don't allow offenses to cause you to withdraw or to isolate yourself. We've started out, the fact that everybody could say that they've benefited, yet you're still in church, man, you're doing great. I hope that offenses cause us to press in and ask the questions that cause our faith to grow, not to decrease. Why don't we bow our heads, close your eyes for just a second. This woman went beyond humility and she actually endured humiliation. First she was humbled when she was ignored. Then she had humility of being compared to a dog. Her pain and her suffering seemed not to be considered. She was low on the list of priorities. There were other more important things and more important people apparently than her. But after that humility and humiliation, she found a king that could do something for her that no one else on earth could do. She had a daughter with a sickness that no medicine, no doctor could help or heal. But on the other side of her humility, she found that king, she found his power, she found his love, but she had to go through that first. What a humbling thing it is to know that you are a sinner. What a humbling thing it is to know that you have lied, you have cheated, you have put yourself first your whole life and tried to cover it and mask it in any way you could. That's a place I've been, that's a place I remember well. It was humiliating when I felt like everybody around me began to see me for who I was and my actions for what they were. It was truly humiliating. I wanted to run, I wanted to hide, I wanted to get a whole new set of friends, a whole new family and just start all over. But I felt God calling me and saying, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. You can get new friends and you can get new family, but you're gonna be the same old you when you get there. I remember that time being the first time I really cried out to him and said, help me, forgive me, change me, do something. And on the other side of my humiliation, I met a king that could do something for me that nobody else could do. <laughs> and what I found out was when I thought he was attacking me, when I thought he was exposing me, when I thought he wanted to hurt me, when I thought he wanted to be, just rub my face in what I had done, he really wanted to love me and help me and forgive me and change me. I'm so glad that my humiliation didn't cause me to run away again. It caused me to fall at his feet. If you're here this morning and you've never gotten to the other side of your humiliation, you've seen it before, you've had a glimpse at how bad it really was, but like me, you just kind of kept running, kept getting new friends, new family, new hobbies, but it keeps showing up. Man, I'm hoping today would be the day like this woman, she didn't let her humiliation cause her to run away from Jesus. She stayed and she stuck and she dealt with it and then she let him deal with it. I can't lie to you, you are a sinner and it is dirty and it is dark and it is ugly. But there's a king on the other side of that who can clean you up, wash you off, love on you, forgive you. You just gotta let yourself be offended this morning and ask for forgiveness. 
If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Today's your day to really deal with it between you and the Lord. Deal with your humiliation. See it for what it is. But come to the King for forgiveness. We want to pray with you this morning. We want to encourage you. We want to rejoice with you. If that's you, would you raise your hand so we could see you? Let him deal with you this morning. Let him forgive you this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For the rest of us, if you're here, I'm going to open the altars for just a minute and ask the prayer team to pray with you. And here's the, the altar call this morning. Prayers for dealing with offenses. Past, present, and future offenses. If you need God to help you with offenses, whether it's being offended, people who have hurt you, people who have said things, God wants to deal with it this morning, but you have to respond. I'm going to open the altar, and I believe that the Lord will meet you. I want you to see yourself, if that's you, as you come to the altar. I want you to see yourself like the woman sitting with Jesus. Man, she had to get through all the humiliation. This could be a walk of shame to the altar this morning. I'm prideful as I come. I think I deserve better as I come. It keeps happening to me as I come. But you know what? I want to meet the offensive king because I know what's on the other side of my humiliation. The altars are open to those who would answer that this morning. Let God deal with you. Let God deal with the offenses that you've experienced in the past, in the present, the ones that are coming in the future. Let God deal with you if you are offensive, you find yourself offending others consistently. He can deal with it. He has a purpose behind it. He has a plan. You are part of that plan. You are not always priority number one, but you are part of the plans and purposes of God. Meet him here at this altar. Let him deal with those things like only he can this morning, Lord. Have your way over your sons. Have your way over your daughters here this morning, Lord. It's okay for you to offend us, Lord. We do not deserve more. We do not deserve better. We are nothing without you, Lord God. Meet us here in this place and give us revelation. Give us understanding. Let us see things for how they really are, not how we would like them to be, God. Have your way, Jesus. Oh, take us to the other side of our humility, Lord God. Take us this morning to the other side of our humiliation this morning, Lord. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.